Welcome along to Season 3, Episode 39 of LOI Weekly in association with Airsports and Independent.ie. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Podcast Republic. Podcast Republic. What's, what's the new? iTunes, iTunes is now. Apple Music. Or Apple something. Music, yeah. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. But uh, the two Stevens are in the house. And uh, how, how are they on a scale of naught to groggy, Dan? Hang on, you haven't introduced <laughs> which Stevens they are. Uh, uh, we've we've, we, we've uh, plugged it the night before. There was a huge reaction to a uh, big reaction on the Shamrock Rovers page. Stephen Bradley and Stephen McPhail. <laughs> big happy, fa- happy heads on them. <laughs> you ever meet people on day three of a wedding? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's in good enough form, but they're almost like, oh God, not yeah. these same people again. <laughs> One Rovers player said to me, yeah, Sunday was good, but I'm really looking forward to Monday. Uh, which it must be an unbelievable weekend after the game, Stephen. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was brilliant. We um we got we got a chance to do uh, a few meet and greets with the with the fans and the players and and um we had one or two shandies and and that was uh really enjoyable. But it, it's I'd say it's very rare you actually get together for a night out like it's so professional nowadays. Yeah, no, we uh we try throughout the year to have to have a staff night out with the with the wives and and I think that's important. But very rare do you do you go out as a as a group uh, mm. player staff and and obviously all the fans together as well. So. Um, no, it's been it's been really enjoyable the last couple of days. Mm. Stephen McPhail, what's the crack? Yeah, still alive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. Um, no, it was great. A great couple of days. He said even after the game, to have our families, kids, all in the hotel after, and enjoyed that part as well. So, I think it's important in it that after big games to um, really take it all in. I think we we said that right after kick off that we're going back out for a drink on the pitch when everyone's gone, and we done that and. Um, no, it was great to have the lads. Um, really, a couple of days to enjoy it and, and, and uh, take it all in. Really, yeah. I I know that the 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 cup history of the club, but sort of hung over managers and and players, and it was a question that just kept coming up again and again. And you know, you have to answer it in a particular way, a particular time. But now that you've won it, can you just feel that relief? I mean, is that something that's come across on? I've seen pictures of like Rovers fans of a certain age going out the cup at last. At that, I mean, can you finally embrace that all now that it's that it's done that you've won it? Um, yeah, but genuinely, Dan, it didn't. It really didn't bother me um, leading up to it. Um, I've been here as a player before and with this club, so I knew all the questions were going to come. I knew it was there. Uh, and their message to the players the last couple of weeks was just embrace it, just enjoy it. Um, what a challenge! What a challenge we have to go and break this 32-year do-do. Mm. It wasn't, we didn't try and look at it as a big negative or people were trying to put it as a lot of pressure. Um, we genuinely thought, right, let's go and meet the challenge head on and let's try and, and break it and, and embrace embrace the great uh, tradition and history that we have at the Cup. And I think, to be fair to the players, I think they got that um, when we started speaking about it. And, and I think you could see in the performance, there was no fear or no no anxiety. They just wanted to go and, and meet the challenge head on. I think everyone who's is you know who's listening to this has watched the game. They know the story of the game, so we're not going to sort of dwell on it too much. But I guess the, the I think the most interesting part, and you spoke about it, and I think a couple of players spoke about it on 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 Sunday. It's the the first five minutes in extra time after that concession, because no, no matter how professional and composed you are as a group, that must rattle you when something like that happens. When you you think it's there and you can smell it and you can taste that, and it's that whistling from the crowd that. It's that match-winning feeling you've had so many times, and all of a sudden, it's gone. I yeah. mean, what's 
what's in your head? What are you thinking? What am I going to say now in this in this huddle in this what, team talk? One of my highlights of it was your reaction to the goal. Where he's just like, ah, I did. kidding me? Like, I did actually watch that on the TV. There was a, I think Adrian Eames and a couple of reporters in the background going. Oh no, another 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> like, you're absolutely kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's exactly what's going to be here. No. Um, I just, um, I felt when we got in, got them in, obviously you're, the high, you're so high, you think it's over. We've taken Graham Burke off, who, who was one of the best players on the pitch, and they go and score, and you're thinking, oh, here we go. But very quickly, Stephen and Glenn came and said to me, we're fine, we win this. Um, and, and then when we got the players in, it was all about... Uh, we knew that first five to ten minutes in the first period of extra time was vital because you could feel the energy in, in the ground uh, drained really mm-hmm. and and the players obviously felt that they were on the pitch so it was just about uh, refocusing them and, and, and managing that game for five or ten minutes until they came back around and, and to be fair I felt look we, we will get credit for it as a management team but I felt our older players our senior players really stood up and and took control, and we just said to them, "It's it's time to relax, reset, trust each other, and, and we'd be fine." And, and to be fair to them, they managed the game so well. Joey, uh, Ronan, uh, Lee, so many of them uh, just managed the game so well for us in, in that period of time. And we we never lost our shape, we never got ragged, and and then we just played our way back into the game. Yeah, fair enough, Stephen. Like uh, it's, uh, Stephen, Stephen, uh, we have to get a Stephen yeah, system no, going here. Mac- like macaron brand. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is just going to get confusing for people listening. Who's he going to now? Um, Stephen McPhail. Um, yeah, how good was Joey O'Brien on Sunday? Like, I, I know Lopez got the man the match, and there's various people being spoken about. But and maybe Joey and Ronan Finn, because I know Michael Duffy scored the goal, and I mean it was a pretty good goal. But in general, play. How they managed that side of the pitch was yeah. Really the two impressive. boys are outstanding. I think they have been all season. I think we've. Uh, we have a sort of group of, of leaders um, that we speak to nearly every month um, and try and pick their brands and see, get their opinion on everything. And on the day, Joey was magnificent. When he all his angles, he used all his experience uh, against one of the best players in the country. Um, nullified him till that last kick of the game. But um, yeah, it's just it's just his leadership is. Uh, I think he I think he gets as well. Obviously, he's he's grown up a Rovers fan. Um, a lot of his family as well, so I think he could he could feel it. Even the Bowes games um, this year, he could feel how much it meant to Joey um, and how much he was playing on his mind that we weren't winning them games at the start. And then then when we did in Tallow when we beat Bowes, you could see the emotion in his face. So um, oh, you know, big games, big players stand up and and Ronan and um, Joey were magnificent the other day. Can you, can you identify with Joey's like his career path to a degree? You've done it. You've come home. Yeah. It's like you know. Obvious differences, but it's 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 this challenge of getting going again. He had injury problems, yeah. and actually, he's 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 had a good run at it now. Yeah, it's difficult because because when you come home and you've been over there, and it's it's totally different over there. It's just a, a mad business, and then you come home here, and it's totally real. Everyone's real. You go into a dressing room full of lads that don't that want to try their best, and 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 they're making loads of money and. Um, buying stupid things and um, so that's real for, for for coming back after 20 years and trying to get in that mindset took him time no doubt it took him time because the four six months he probably didn't play as much as he wanted to and um, it was difficult for him and you can see him trying to trying to find his fitness but when he found his fitness and got him on the pitch he's he's magnificent the, the way he's 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 led the team um, Ronan as well Ronan doesn't get enough praise I don't really give much praise to, to the older players 
uh, Alan Manis, all these boys have been unbelievable leaders for the whole year. And um, now difficult for Joey at the start, but he's settling so well and means so much to him. The club really. I loved his comments afterwards, where he was saying, "You know, this is this is home. This is these are my people around me." And mm. uh, for a fella who could look down on the League of Ireland after mm. the career he's had, it meant it seemed to mean more to him nearly than any win he's had in his career, or certainly it was right up there. Yeah, but uh, again, if you if you know Joey, you get to know him. Um, he just uh, he's a true and true professional. He just gets on with his job. He, he's a leader, isn't he? He's a, he's a yeah. proper character in the dressing room, on and off the pitch. Um, He's a proper man, you know. He, mm. he he's played this year when uh, genuinely uh, a lot of players would have missed four or five months. He's played with a dislocated shoulder. Uh, he's a plantar fascia in his foot that were he was told to step out six weeks before he had to come out. Um, he's just got through so much for the group. Um, and and like I said, in big games when when sometimes you need a calm head. Um, and Joey's been that for us on the pitch, and um, it's no coincidence when when Joey plays. Uh, we look a lot more controlled and uh, our discipline is a lot better as a team in terms of how we defend. He set the agenda early on as well with that kind of heavy 50-50 challenge where he came out and won the ball and I can't remember the Dundalk player but the Dundalk player was grounded for about Massey, yeah. Massey yeah. and it was just like you know we're, in, we're it's like Roy Keane against yeah. Holland that time we're in here to, to be serious and uh, I was actually I watched the game back after and uh, it's a different game when you watch it back on TV but um, I mean, I actually mean this. If if I had five nominations for man of the match, I think they were all Sean Grovers, and I I genuinely thought you were that good. And not that you didn't have way more chance than Dundalk, but I thought you really were, you set the tone in the game. Yeah, for for us um, as a staff, it was very important that we brought our our identity to the game and and we showed what we were about. Um, it wasn't you said that before and as well, seeing mm. we like, did you change your game because um, Shields not playing? It's like no, we're we're pushing no. exactly the same way. Yeah, we we genuinely hadn't spoken about uh, the Shield scenario. Um, it didn't come into our, our thoughts, our game plan. Our, our game plan was, was something that we'd been working on and uh, it really didn't change. Um, it was about us bringing our identity, our game. We felt if we did that, we had enough to win the game. Uh, we knew what we were up against on the top side. Obviously, we've played them. They've won the league. So we knew we were against. We knew the threats. But we also felt that if we showed up with our identity and played our way, that were a very, very difficult team to play against when we do that. And, and what you said at the start of it is we could have five or six man of the matches. I, I fully agree. I think uh, the players you want to show up in big games showed up. And, and that was the most pleasing thing for us. Yeah, of course you need to win. That's that's the be-all and end-all. You have to win. But um, how we did it and the manner we did it, uh, I thought was really good. We, it got scrappy at times. and But that's that's cool final football plus you're playing against a good side so it's going to happen but I felt uh, as a whole I felt we were, we were very very good well, just go back to that thought process and extra time because at the start of extra time it was a bit <clears throat> scattered also from the Dundalk perspective they had Hoobin in midfield because they'd thrown the extra striker on and you know you had to you'd lost Burke and I'd say you know that's a, an awkward one as you mentioned so just your your your, your thoughts through extra time at one point you brought Lafferty on was it was it a case of shoring things up at that stage and just getting through it or what was your sort of thought process in terms of how did you feel about penalties coming over the horizon or what was your feeling no we we needed we needed to um we need to stretch the pitch an extra time we'd settle back into the game um and for Arden us to play the way we play we need we need to stretch the pitch and Aaron Aaron Green had done unbelievable amount of work throughout the game he ran in behind every time which opens the spaces up for us to go and play and at that point, Darren hadn't got that in his leg. So mm -hmm. so um, we had the young Thomas on the, on the bench and it was probably a bit too big for him right now. 
Um, and obviously Neil Farouja has has great legs and great great pace. So we, we felt he would want to stretch the game, and and Danny has a lot of experience. He would look after Kelly, and and when, when Neil stretches the game, it allows us to go and play. So. Um, yeah, that's all we're thinking. Uh, Aaron had, had had ran ran himself into the ground, really. The quality of penalties was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah, and it was. The Even Joey O'Brien, like saying, yeah. popping yeah. up top corner. But Joey was, was the same. Week, yeah, he was the same all week when we were hitting them. Um, just walks up and slots it away and <laughs> said to him, "You okay for tomorrow?" Yeah. Mm. There was actually a very interesting moment before the game where Michael O'Neill was talking about the, Ro- the Rovers uh, Sligo Cup final and he sort of took the blame for them losing because he said I asked the players to hit the target and it's one of my one of the things that wrecks my head about co-commentators at the very least hit the target mm. it's not about hitting the target it's about scoring, scoring. anyone can hit the target <laughs> but like you, you, your penalties were almost flawless actually on the day when, when you compare it to Rovers who couldn't score a penalty the last time they're in this situation yeah, now it's kind of mad like it was perfect bringing back up a few memories yeah. here, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does it hurt less now? <laughs> like, is that no. Like, no, it's still, still, no, yeah. still lost. Um, yeah. Now, I think what air message was look, it's the day before and all week, it's just a pass. It's a, to, don't overthink it, it's a pass into the net. Like, mm. you know, and, but look, it's already saying that and when there's 30 odd thousand and it's mm. the pressure's on, on it's, it's uh, easier said than done, but they kept their killing. The day before wasn't great, was it? <laughs> oh, Alan saved every penny. <laughs> mm. but that was, which is a good and a bad thing. It was interesting you referenced him and, and uh, Glenn, obviously, because you are a management team. So you felt like, let's come together and cool the Jets here after the 90 minutes, I suppose. Yeah, well, that, the initial, obviously, 10, 15 seconds was, oh, I can't believe that just happened. And then Glenn, we just we just felt like, right, we need to, it was our job to step up and, and calm the boys down and get them back to what they were doing because they were magnificent throughout the 90 minutes and watching it back last night even um, at Camus and, and what what we done all probably three weeks uh, lead up to it because you, you have that much time there wasn't much on the games the last three or four league games so we had time to work f- so, f- so focused on, on the cup final um, and everything was really really good up to that, that moment so we needed to just stay, stay calm and Obviously, that little huddle we had, um, and that five minutes after, the boys regrouped. And um, so important as as coaches and staff that you step up then and and try and calm calm the jets and realize where we are and, and keep a cool head. But it's, it is difficult. Yeah, at the start of the season, people were saying, "Where are the leaders in the Rovers team? Or where are the winners?" And um, all of a sudden, it does look a team that's if particularly kind of the back four going forward with Manus. You're like. You wouldn't have any issues in that score from a team that did maybe look like that it needed some direction. Now it's like I think some di- some differences. Yeah, that, that was massive effort to you when we came in. We were conceding far too many goals. When it? it was it was a huge part of uh, our plan going forward um, in our second season that we cut that out. And every year, well, we're in a going into our fourth this year. Our defense has has been magnificent. Alan, Alan, obviously we we signed. Um, obviously, people heard Alan Carley mention. That the gaffer messed around with, with picking picking goalkeepers. It wasn't the case. It was um, we signed Alan, but we had to wait for him um, till July because he was contracted to another club. So it wasn't Stephen's fault. It was just the way it fell. So um, I guess he was referencing the time before. Yeah, the that. time. I get, yeah. I get all that. But but there was that 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 sign was made. It was just we had to wait. Um, obviously, Kevin and Tom were at the time were in and made some mistakes that happens but uh we had a plan we knew alan was coming um and it was uh just just gave us that stability joey as you said lee grace 
Roberto Lopez has been unbelievable. Stepped right up. Um, he's improved so, so much. Um, he's had an incredible season. Well, was, Re- was Roberto was start to be signed on for this year? It was a point last year when he was adding a contract. Or, I mean, was he always in your plans or has he sort of improved to, to a level no, that surprised you? Yeah, he was always in our plans. When we when we first signed him, did we think he'd get to this level? Maybe not, but we knew mm-hmm. we could improve him. Um, and when you get to meet him, you understand that he has that drive to want to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us... We couldn't have enough people like that around around the squad, around the team. Um, so he's a no-brainer for us. He, he's one of these players and people that you'd hang your hat on. Um, and, and there's many more years for him at the club. What does it mean to you as a management team? I mean, it's it's been touched on since Sunday. There's been a lot of external comment over the last couple of years. Um, and you probably needed that trophy just to... You know, to to I don't know, is it a line in the sand and you sort of move on to the next step? Or how do you, how do you feel about that? just getting that across the line yeah no the stuff uh, people have spoken about the last couple of years do, uh, it genuinely doesn't have any impact on on me or us like you know I think we, we were always very clear on what we were doing uh, we always had a plan uh, we were always realistic in house where we were uh, what we needed um, and we're, we're not we're not where we want to be we're still we still want to get better we still want to improve um, straight after the game we're talking about what can we do where are we going um, where have you this player, that player? Um, we know where we're going. Like I said, this obviously helps. Of course, it mm. helps. It's brilliant for the fans. It's brilliant for the club. Um, but we we fully believed in what we we're doing from from day one. Um, and uh, like I said, a lot of people were speaking um, about uh, a lot of negativity, but they hadn't really got got an idea or an understanding of what was going on in house or, or what mm. we were doing. Like you know, so it never really. It never really got to us, like you know. Genuinely. But but even the day when there's there's a banner from your own club support, I mean that must be a difficult night. Yeah, but you have to understand that I, I get that when you're at a big club, uh, fans want to win, they expect to win. I get that. Like you have to understand that when you get into this club and you manage this club, that that comes with, it and you have to take that in the chin. But like I said, I, I always understood where we were going. Um, uh, looked at back night, we lost the game. Obviously, we should have been three up in the first ten minutes. Um, it's very, very small margins in, in games like that. And, um, when you sit back and take that motion out of it and, and really look at where we are and where we're going, and um, we were never really uh, hurt by it. I understood it, and, and you have to accept it because you're at the biggest club in the country. So you have to understand that the fans uh, think we should be winning everything. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes time. We're against, we're up against a fantastic team in Dundalk, uh, Cork. Where we're obviously a fantastic team, and I'm sure they'll come again. Um, so it was never going to be easy. We didn't come in on a on an um, even playing field. We came in, we had to re- completely rebuild. We were trying to catch two teams that were really dominant in, in every aspect with the group of players they have financially. Um, so it was really, really difficult. It was never going to happen overnight. We're still not there. But we're, we're definitely going in the right direction. But, the, but those phone, the, the, those phone yeah. calls though you received the following day, I think you've spoken about this. Mm. That like when people outside are thinking, oh, something something's going to happen here because it's just mm. a natural momentum that comes around those th- that time. Like how reassuring are those calls that you receive? You know, and what is it, and how happy are you for maybe for those people now as well? Yeah, but I would have never taken the job in the first place if I hadn't if Stephen wasn't taking his his position as sporting director because I knew what a big job it was, what we had to do to turn around. Uh, we didn't go in thinking this is going to happen within a, a season and we're going to be top of the league and win everything. We knew it was a big, big job. It wasn't just about the team, it was about the culture of the club. Um, 
and it was about building a club. So I knew what a big job it was, and like I said, I wouldn't have went in without Stephen doing what he's doing because when we were going to hit a rough period, we needed someone. I needed someone that was that was uh, really calm and and really really focused on what we were doing and understood what we were doing and could relay that to the board and, and on a regular basis and. So for me, when that was happening, again, I understood it. I, I knew there was a lot of pressure from outside, but from within, with, with Stephen and, and the people on the board, genuinely, it was relaxed. And, and let's, I think the day after the banner was up, we had a meeting about, uh, are we okay for next year? Who are we signing? What's happening? Mm-hmm. So it was never any any doubt in my mind. So when you have that backing from, from Stephen and the board, as a manager, it really, really clears your judgment. It really allows you to, to focus on, on what your plan was when you said it. What I always knew what I wanted the team to look like. Um, we always knew what type of player we wanted at the club. So my point is, when, when you have that support, it allows you to, to build for that. It allows you to not make rash decisions and, and sign someone for uh, for a week or two. You know. This but is a sad world we live in, though. Like I was, like Eddie Howe was on the telly the other day, and it's like one of the youngest managers in the league and one of the longest serving in the Premier League. You're not doing getting the results or whatever, and it's like, well, you've had a year. That's enough. And like, it's it's, crazy. In, it's your first job as well, so you you need time, and you're learning on the job, I presume, as well. Both of you are. Yeah, both. So we're learning <laughs> the real world, then, isn't it? But now, now I think it's it was just as Stephen said the. To be calm and be clear enough in a in a whole it was never going to be a year we set that out when when they they gave us a job how long is it going to take and we did have that three-year sort of cycling ahead that that's going to be our squad then let's just aim for that and stay on the right road don't come away from it so when that when that that game was it was we always knew i knew it was coming i knew it would be a low low point it was never going to be straight all the way so um the board were, were good. Obviously, I took calls that night, and just now we were, were focused. We're, were you worried we're or were no? You, no, you I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I think straight away it was more. What What do we need? What 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 do we need to get better? And what What Where are we? Where are we here? Are we? Who's who? And I and I, I totally believe that the board were brilliant. They were uh, the chairman who's who's been magnificent with us. Um, who I speak to every day. That was his focus. Was just Jonathan. What, what, Jonathan yeah, yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, magnificent in um, in tough times and for for all of us. He, he's he's there for us and uh, he, ne- he never not no one ever thought things are going to change. It was just um, asked my opinion and I told him, no, we're going to be fine. We just need to do this, 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 and this. And whatever the gaffer needs, we need to support him. And, and that that's what it was. It was a tough time, but um, now I think everyone stood up and I think it was a definitely the right decision what, what was the this 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 and this I mean I know there's obviously you know, this, 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 like, like what were the key, what were the what was the change from last year to here I guess I suppose obviously recruiting in any managing job is, is huge and I think we recruited um, well um, in <laughs> terms of Jack Byrne Jack or yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah Jack and Who, who's that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah no I think I think I heard of Jackie Byrne yeah <laughs> everyone's heard of Jackie Byrne yeah. he likes yeah. it likes it Jack if, um, um, Huge X factor for our team, and uh, getting Graham Burke back um, recently is, it gives another little lift. And uh, Aaron Green, magnificent, been unbelievable for us. Um, so <coughs> a lot of things went for us. Obviously, we got a few wrong. That happens, isn't it? But um, I think the dynamic of the team over the last twelve months has just grown, and just 
the way we play. I just love watching us play. I think it's so important we we uh, stick to the. Uh, Jerry Flannery's just looking just in there. I don't know what that's there. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think I just I just love. Uh, I think the Dundalk game when we got beaten, Tallet one nil. I went home and I just devastated with the result, but I just watched the game back and I was smiling through the whole game and the way we played and our philosophy and um, and we just needed to stick with that and I think this last six months, especially European games, I think we've uh, played the game in the right way and I think we've shown Irish people that we've got good players that technically can take the football and play it from the back. Alan Manis never played that way in his life. He, he's he's uh, he's having to think about the game a bit more, and he loves it. I think he, I think Alan would have retired if he if he kicked the ball forward. I think he would. I don't think it was an interest to him. But I think mm. now he's wants to be at our club because he's been challenged every day in the way we play. So if Steve um, McFay loves the way Rovers are playing, I think that's probably a good sign. That to be fair, he was yeah. able to play a bit. No, I just think it's I think it's important that the two of us see the game. That way, and we're not gonna we're not gonna fault out for anything. We're not gonna move away from it. I know uh, Irish like Irish lads can be awkward about complimenting people sitting next to them and so on. <laughs> but like, how how happy are you for him? I'm absolutely delighted because I see him, Glenn, Darren, Tony, Mac, Jose, all our staff every day work their socks off, and we challenge each other every day. And we want to get better and better. Um, but him sitting beside me, so proud of him because he's. Them hard times, he's on his own um, in terms of taking the criticism in papers. and It's in, Stephen uh, Bradley, it's not yeah, Stephen no, Bradley and the rest. Million, Stephen Bradley. million percent, yeah. and, and I get that. I've been there, I've seen. Um, so he needed all the support but for himself and the way he stood up and the way he's coached the team and his ideas in the game just uh, blows me away at times. I'm always learning um, when I'm on the pitch with him, which is, which is great. I'm 40 years of age and I'm still... And I'm learning things that um, refreshes me and makes me feel like brilliant. I can't wait for the next day. So that's a, it's a credit to him. He's he's uh, obviously tough not having his mom there on on uh, the weekend. Um, but he's he's a credit to to the club as well. Yeah, yeah I mean the, that well those emotions you arranged on Sunday. I mean it is again, you know it's not the easiest topic to talk about, but it is something that was obviously very real mm. which at the time to construct people. They did say afterwards, happy, joy, sadness. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because I, um, people close to me would would know what what my man meant to me, and um, so when leading up to the game, well, I go probably to, to the graveyard every day, and and um, I would have went in the morning time and and had a good chat around. Um, it look it just um, sadness, uh, just because she wasn't there, like you know, obviously, but I know I know she would be proud of what we've done. Um, but she'd be also giving me a slap and saying, right, it's time to go again now. Yeah. Um, uh, and I know that's the way she was with me. And uh, now, look, joy, happiness, but there was a, a little bit of sadness, yeah. I yeah. suppose the way Jack Byrne talked about, and Jackie spoke about the ashes and bringing them to games, is the, the, the sport sometimes it brings you to a totally different level in terms of your understanding of life itself. Mm. Yeah, and I think what what's important is that we got to understand and what we spoke with the players before we went and played on Sunday was we're all leaving the Viva. There's no... No, it's not life and death here. It's mm. it's let's go and do what we do. Uh, and if it's enough, it's enough. If it's not, it's not. But remember that um, all the people who, who care about you and love you are here today and, and, and want want you to win and want you to be successful. So 
let's go and play for them and, and thankfully uh, we won I, I was looking down at you when um, Gary O'Neill was taking the penalty and you're you're really barren calamity now you're going to win the cup because you were you know you just needed to score one but what's the thought process I remember you, I think you were just consulting each other mm. and what's going through your head then because you're like you're on the cusp of something here even though you were <laughs> half an hour ago as well like oh no I'm still well, recovering uh, from that yeah. <laughs> um, no look just again you're just hoping Gary Gary keeps his cool and, and slots at home because he, he's the coolest man in the stadium, right. isn't he? Every time Gary and um when he walked up I was just thinking, just do what you do, like nice and calm and pick mm. your spot and, and thankfully he did. He was so cool and, and calm because Gary Gary Rogers can be intimidating and, and that goal he's a very good keeper. Um but but Gary O'Neill was, was so calm and, and just slotted at home. <laughs> How did you come up with the system you currently play? Because um Three centre backs against one striker is a very interesting scenario because you've centre backs doubling up as full backs, and if Ronan Finn's going to be in trouble with Michael Duffy, well, we've a certain Joey O'Brien there. Same thing on the left. So, did you go in there confident that this system was going to work? And you've you've had a few different systems, but this is the one you've rested on at the moment. It's almost like a three-six-one in ways. Yeah, but we we again we didn't. Our system was not based around them. It was based around us and and how we like to play. Um. When you look at the type of players we have, have we got quick, dynamic wingers like Dundalk? No. Ferrugia, if you play him. Yeah, well, uh. Ferrugia, but we knew when we got him that it was a long-term injury, mm. so we had to plan without him until next season. Um, so it's about understanding our players, understanding how we want to play and, and how do we get the best out of each player. And um, and, and I, I feel the system works for us. I think it gives us a lot of angles, a lot of options. And and we cover a lot of spaces on the pitch, and I think football's about spaces, and 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 if you cover them in the right way, usually you dominate the game, and, and we've done that. Well, you've Aaron McAdiff and Gary O'Neill, sorry Dan, who were basically defensive defensive midfielders on Sunday because of the other players you have in the team, which mm. I think is that's interesting because uh, I think um, Gary O'Neill was just saying after the game, he's like, that's just the role I have to play, and I was like, that's a it's a hell of a role because you Dundalk's midfield was fairly anonymous in that game, I thought. Yeah, I thought the boys in midfield were magnificent. Gary just gives us that calmness as well to start us off, so it, it suits him to be, to be in there. And he, he, I think he's got better in this last six or eight weeks in his defensive work. Um, Keeping Greg Bulger out of the team. Yeah, like, Greg, that's, like, that's almost what Greg, Greg, Greg was magnificent when he came on. When I only realised when I watched it back last night how, how he's just brought the energy in. And, and we, I spoke to him uh, the morning of the game at breakfast um, about his last game for Cork. We went to watch him before he signed for us. And he changed the game in, in that cup final. Mm. And he was so good throughout the day in terms of positive. He wasn't playing, he didn't sulk. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, we're quite blessed with, with the players we have in midfield. And, and Aaron McInef just gives you something dynamic. He, he can play his box to box. So it's, it, it's not a problem for him. He's the fittest, fittest player in the squad. Mm. And uh, I think that showed. He had a lot of running to, to cover, big, big spaces uh, on Sunday, but he covered them great. And uh, obviously, the two boys ahead of him. Just go and play, don't they? Graham Burke and and Jack. So it's a. I think it's difficult. I wouldn't like playing against that 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 four in midfield. So it's you got to think about your angles and and let them have it. And so to play against it, I can see how we we nullified them really. Well, I think Aaron McInef uh, to pick up obviously Greg was brilliant and mm. Greg and Gary. It's great competition now, and you have Jack and and Graham. Obviously Dylan Watts who was struggling, yeah, but. Uh, with the injury, but I think Aaron McNeff when when he was at there, he was looked at as a bit of a, a luxury, someone who number ten nearly played right? on the edges of the game and and was just would score a goal here or there, but wouldn't really influence the game. 
I think the transformation in Ireland has been unbelievable. Some of his tackles, yeah. like on Sunday, it was like this is I, I don't remember him as a player like this at all. No, where it was he's, like he's, he's only come out. But that Derry team would have had a reputation for being a bit mm. in mm. and out as well. And I think Aaron is probably deemed a reflection of that. Yeah, but I think now when you look at him, he, he's a proper man. I think on Sunday. Um, he, he does everything he's on the edge of the box making tackles he's running past him he's making forward runs off the ball he's playing around corners he, he he's a bit of an all-rounder now Aaron um, plus it helps he comes up with I think it's 10, 11 goals a year uh, and that's considering he missed 11 games with his injury so mm. um, I think he would have been 15 and 16 goals um, if not if he hadn't got injured so I think well, all of midfielders, I think the biggest transformation has been Aaron in terms of the actual position he plays and his understanding of this is better for the team if I play this way because I'm sure Aaron would just love to be left free as a as a as a ten to go and run, but he, he's had to understand that in order for for us to play the way we want to play, he's got to change Good his job game. to do. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess what happens now? I mean, this is the thing. Ronan Finn on Sunday, I think his second line of his answer was speaking about next year. So, yeah. like lads are inviting that question themselves, yeah. you know. Um, so, so what do you, like, what do you have to do now? I mean, Vinnie Perth said on Sunday, I think he felt that seventeen points when when Dundalk won the league that night was a reflection of where things were at that point. I'm sure you would disagree with that point of view. Um, but but how close do you feel you are, or like what's the next step, or how do you go from this, <laughs> I'm going to this, this, and this. Like, what's the next step from here for the club? Oh, we we need to push on. We we spoke about it straight after the game. Uh, genuinely, we spoke about it in the coaches' room and the dressing room. Um, what where are we going for next year? We've obviously spoken months ago about players and recruitment, and so we're right down the line with, with a lot of that. Um, and we're looking at we're looking at pre-season straight away. We're looking at um, we'll we'll really reflect on the on the on uh, the high points, the low points, where we can improve over the next week or so. Uh, but we we know now as a club and as as a staff, as a team, it's time to push on again next year. We, we've gone from fourth toward second. Uh, can we go and catch them? Yeah, what's next? Can we go catch them? I appreciate you're not just going to tell us all, well, here's the reasons why things didn't happen. But, I mean, broadly, where were you behind them in the league this year? Like, what there was, was the very, very small margins, uh, Dan, to be honest. I think... If you look at it, uh, there was a, a two-week period when we had a lot of games and we, we had uh, two players sent off and Tala won for the ball, hitting him in the head, uh, which is unbelievable. Uh, we had Trevor sent off for a pull, 30 yards from goal. And considering the week before, we'd had a penalty. Lee Desmond pulled a player back in Richmond and it was a yellow card and we get one sent off for someone 30 yards from mm -hmm. the goal. Uh, so that's hard to take. And my point is that small margins in them games, we go and lose 1-0 and we go to the dock that week and we're, we're missing six players four of them are defenders we have to play a 16 year old left back um, and, and we get beat and uh, we dropped more points I think the week later so within that week we had a seven point lead I know that game's in hand obviously so small margins really torn you know um, mm -hmm. and I think people can analyse or look at it any way they want but uh, like I said when we take the motion over and we look at it the biggest obstacle for me was getting over the line getting understanding how to win big games how to do that and We've always spoken about it as a as a staff that they we have to earn that you have to come and earn that and um I felt we did that on Sunday I think I knew as a player I, I dropped a week we beat Cork and in the FUI Cup and and Cork were a better team uh, that year they'd won the league but we just felt that we could win that game that we catch them and, and and we went and did it and the next year we just grew from it we just understood what it was about and I think like I said you can't give that to people I think that's earned on the pitch. And I think we did that on Sunday. So uh, we know 
we come back pre-season, it's heads down, work hard. Uh, that's what everything's based on. Um, but look, we've full confidence in this group. We'll we'll improve the group, and um, and hopefully next year we can go on better in the league. Do you I mean? Do you need? I guess do you need a deeper squad in terms of squad? Because their squad depth, like the last two seasons in April and May, they've blitzed it. That mad run of the season where there's loads of games. Both years, their record has been incredible around that time. And you mentioned going to the dog for that game. I don't think they would have been in that situation this year where they would have had to go into a game with that sort of setup as such. I mean, is that something you have to, as much as is possible within sort of the framework that's there? Yeah, we have to try and obviously improve that, but we've got to understand that they, they have the financial power to, to have the squad they have. And, and that's not having a go. They've earned that. They've earned that on the pitch. So they've spent that on their having, a, having a really big squad. Uh, so we've got to be clever in the recruitment and 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 um and understand that we mightn't have the the amount of players that they have um but we we can be clever and we can go about it in different ways so um it's definitely an area we we'll look to improve definitely. your your finances aren't too bad though some clubs would be like jeez I wouldn't mind being in his situation no they're not they're not but we got to people our finances are good of course we're not here sitting, sitting here having mm. a go but I'm saying we got to understand what we're trying to what we're trying to overcome I think the the gap between us and them financially and, and actually just for the playing squad is actually unbelievable when you, when really? you see it. So mm. I think the, all the accounts have been published on the website so you can see it. It's, it's, um, I love it's when managers good. come on and compare <laughs> budgets like, you know, Alan Murphy to, you know, Stephen Bradley. I still like, think my favourite is Alan Murphy saying COVID with a COVID 10 times ten bigger times, budget. I was like, but um, the, the, the other thing... The Does that work starting now? I mean, Stephen yeah. from McPhail, from your perspective, I mean, you had your Monday or whatever but... This is a mad time. We spoke about it a bit downstairs. I mean, this is actually a really busy time of the season yeah. for people in the league. It's it's probably happened well back uh, weeks ago, trying to recruit and speaking to agents and getting speaking to players, met players. So yeah, listen, we're, we're down the road, but it's yeah, it's, it's a mad mad time of year. We need to make sure we're we're ready come uh, come the winter months here. Because I, I guess naturally you would look outside the league as well, but then you have the situation with. I guess players in the UK may not be happy. They may want they might want to see how January exactly yeah. pans out for them. So, like, how difficult is it to go to players and say in England now and and get a firm commitment from them? No, it's it's it. You can't get out and firm at this stage. It's just about keeping a relationship or a chat and looking at things and and making sure if it comes a time January, um, you're ready to go with it. That, that that's that's all you can do at this stage with people in England uh, who are either on their contract or out of favour or whatever it is. Mm. So you can't can't do too much there. But, but in, within where we are with a few, it's 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 difficult to know. But we're working hard to try try and get things done. Yeah. The the um. Are you afraid of losing players? I suppose Jack Byrne particularly. Listen, yeah, that that take care of itself. Like we don't we don't we don't look too much into that. I think. Uh, over the last probably 12, 18 months, we've sold six players. Um, and that's been interesting in itself, uh, how quick them things happen. And mm. it's a phone call, and then it's another phone call, and all of a sudden you lose a player. So it's, it's uh, yeah, you got to be ready for that. We are, we, we know where we are with, that, with, with stuff like that. You could lose Jack Bourne in a matter of days. We, we understand that. It's just uh, making sure we're, we're ahead of the game on it, really. Is, yeah. that, is, that, is that a part of the... I mean, what Rovers have done is actually sell players for some money, which hasn't necessarily been a, yeah, well, a feature that, yeah. of, of, of our, our league. We you know, it's been a problem, to be honest, for, for our league. So is it a case that you have to accept that that might happen sometimes, but once it's for right a, a fair price as such? Yeah, we, like all I've, from, from my decisions is 
making sure it's right for the football club. I don't care anything other than the football club. I have to I have to make the decision and speak to to the gaffer and say, no, we can't do this because it doesn't work financially. And I think he gets that. Um, so that's my role. We, I, I just think first and foremost <coughs> about the right decision for the football club. So the six lads we let go, we are doing it to strengthen our squad. Um, I think in your defence as well, you, you, you have shown care to these young players that you're not, you're going to look after them as well yeah, if, not, if they go on to bigger yeah, I, I mean in yeah. terms of of, of seeing it straight and, mm. and not, not getting away from the fact that we, we want the players to to have the utmost uh the best time, the best environment, all that sort of stuff that that we believe we're doing and giving them the platform. And if they want to go, we will never stand in any kid's way. It's I've had that conversation with so many of them, and we never have. But it still comes down to how can we progress the football club, and uh, that's important for us as well. So it's getting that balance, obviously. But um, no, it's it's listen. I think the market for Ireland over the last. 10 15 years we've we've got ripped off I think oh, big yeah, time, no, yeah. we we don't we don't uh, we're not respected enough um, we don't value ourselves no we don't value no. ourselves i think that needs to change i think we need to stand up and be counted on that and on, on them conversations when they arise and um yeah i think that's uh, we all need to do that i don't think it should be just us it mm. should be every club i think uh, we don't value ourselves enough, definitely not. Mm. You, you, you but there is there's <coughs> some resistance to that at times within Ireland too. I mean, to, to a degree that you would be accused of trying to stand in a player's way if you play hardball yeah. too much. Yeah, and but that, that that's that's getting that's a relationship again with who's on the other end of the phone. It's 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 important that like, you explain to them and bring them over like we did with Man City and show them the training that Gav's getting and exactly the hours he's doing. Um, the big games he's played in and saying, listen, that's what we value him at. And, and they get it. They're, they're not stupid. They've, they've, they'll they've try their hand. Of course they will. They're big clubs. They, they'll try it. But if you can sit down and have that relationship with them and speak from the heart and explain to them, this is where, what we do with our kids and this is why we value them at what they are. So uh, that's important, I think, um, that we that we, we speak the truth and, and not hide behind it and... and so now that's what that's how we value our kids. It's, I suppose just the commitment to young players has been extraordinary in a way because if you looked at that Dundalk game where you lost five two, Brandon Kavanagh came on late on that mm. game. I remember shortly after that game, he played Bray at home and it was Bazuna's first start. But I, was, I just happened to be at the game and there was a bit of a. I suppose there wasn't a huge high in the ground at the time, but he started, kept four or five clean sheets in a row. James Furlong played against mm. Dundalk. And some of the clubs, some managers maybe, if you look at Cork City, they didn't maybe bring up enough young players in John Caulfield's time. Maybe even a sl- small criticism of Ollie Horgan that I would have heard from Harps fans is that he doesn't actually bring that m- many young players through. This seems to have been really part of the, the this is what I'm going to do. I don't care if I'm under pressure or whether we're, we're under pressure. The young lads have to get game time. Yeah, I think it's about uh, trusting them, Johnny. Though. Mm. I don't think there's any point in... Uh, having uh, an academy and working so hard behind the scenes if we're not going to trust them when the time comes. I think um, as as a manager, your first thing is to get results and win things. But um, we're doing it our way, my way, and, and I, I will always trust young players. I think, uh, will they make mistakes? Of course they will, they're young. and But you've got to understand that when you put them in, that they're not, it's not going to be perfect. But what you get is they'll give you 
everything they have and and they play for the for the short and and that's first and foremost and then obviously the quality comes after that but you got to understand that there is going to be little issues and and there will be times they'll they'll let let you down let themselves down let the team down by making that mistake but um, if you don't put them in and you don't trust them and you don't uh, believe in them how are you ever going to know if they're good enough or or, or uh, how are they going to ever believe in what you're doing if if you just keep overlooking them? So, um, like I said, they have to have a lot of qualities to play for for us and play for our team and our club. But once they show that desire and that commitment, and and then they have the quality, well, then it's up to me to trust them and put them in at the right time. Your, your your training sessions as well for some for kids like that must be like I'm playing here with Graham Burke, Jack Byrne, so on and so forth. Like they just must be buzzing playing this and improving because of it. Yeah, they they can't both. Uh, improve because of the environment and um, and then obviously the, the sessions the tempo of the sessions um, uh, Neil and, and, and Gary when we took them from UCD that was one of the comments Neil made to me that uh, the sessions were harder than a lot of his games like you know um, which was interesting because when we're in it every day and, and you just take it for that's that's everyone what everyone is doing but it was good to hear that that the, the two lads that came in uh, really found it a step up um, in terms of quality. So if that's them and they've played a lot of games, I'm sure the young boys are, are very, very similar. But again, we've got to understand is when we take them into the first team to try and uh, it, it is going to take them six weeks to get up to speed just with everything, tempo, uh, angles, how we play, the demands. Um, and, and you do see for the first three or four weeks that they're struggling, they're a bit behind. And, and we had that with, with so many young lads, Aaron, Aaron Bulger, Brandon Kavanagh, Gavin, uh, Gavin was probably a bit of an exception. To be fair, he yeah. just he came in and said I'm number one from the start. Big boy. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but great kid, really focused, and and you could tell. Uh, we were, I was actually really nervous with the Gavin one, but just because of his goalkeeper. Um, and uh, not that I didn't trust him, I trusted him, but I just didn't want to hurt him. I wanted to protect him in terms of the future because I knew he'd play for us. Then he was playing um, in Europe as well, but in no played. time, you know. Yeah, so it was again once he got in and. And I knew we had the mentality, and, and the most important thing was the players trusted him. And once they trusted him, it was about right down the air stuff, Gavin. But mm. um, yeah, I think that's important when the young players come in, they, they get to understand how we work, and and, uh, and then when we give them the chance to hopefully they take it. Mm. Yeah, it's a Gavin interesting. Gavin travelled with the Man City first team to Southampton for, I think it's slipped under the radar a small yeah. bit, but he, he went on the. And he was with the first team squad, just not on the bench. Rovers so were hogging the headlines this weekend. Yeah, there's, oh. few, there's a few other things going on. Yeah. Um, but as just, uh, Brad, just to go back to what uh, Macro was saying here, because this is much easier for the <laughs> listeners. Brad, I'm just Mac. thinking all this Stephen, Stephen, yeah, Stephen. Yeah, people yeah. Are like, where's this going? Um, like someone like Jack, for example, the, the, the concept of like selling a player that naturally, I mean, you don't want to lose Jack Bird in, in any shape or way, but you also know that the player will have his own ambitions, and if he he might see it as an Ireland squad thing that he needs to like so how do you how do you handle that situation with a player? Like you do you have to have discussions with him and understand that you might have to say goodbye at some point as much as it's the last thing that you want to do. Yeah, no, it's 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 very, very easy when <coughs> when you have a good relationship with the with the player and and his family. Um before Jack made the decision to come home, I met Jack's mum and his brother without without Jack and and um we had a conversation. She was worried about her son and um and she stood up and and said my son's coming home to play for you uh you you're going to get him uh I understand you I trust you uh so from that day it's always been constant dialogue between us and them uh, and and we'd meet them on a regular basis and have a chat jack is very very comfortable here and 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 when he says that he's not just saying it for for show he's actually really comfortable doesn't mean 
he he hasn't got ambitions to go and play at, at the highest level possibly and of course no he wants to do that but I think he understands that it has to everything has to be right everything mm. has to be right it can't just be a quick decision and and uh, and this is what I want to do he, he's very very comfortable he's um he's enjoying his football he's enjoying his life um the dressing room is good for him uh, they demand of him they're on him uh, they demand he works hard he's bought into that um, so it's a, it's an easy enough conversation the way the way like losing players like Jack or Graham Burke last year of course not uh, because they're top people and the top players but you've got to be realistic as well and understand uh, when the time comes for any player to move you got to sit down and say right where do we value them uh, do the clubs meet that valuation and and then uh, are we ready to replace them and and that's been our story all the way along and and it'd be no different if something like that happens with Jack but again. Uh, the conversations we we have had with Jack and Jackie are, are very very clear and and uh, they're good people. They understand what we're doing. It sounds like it was kind of like how are you ma? Not too bad. By the way, you're signing for Champions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's pretty much that. <laughs> too, yeah, well, but, like, but I know you're very, you're, you're a close relationship with Graham Barrett, and yeah. Graham is obviously Jack's uh, agent. And like I was in the house doing the piece with the the family last week, and uh, one of the things Graham said within that was. Stephen as Jack, you know that was his line. And do you do you feel a certain connection with Jack because you were you were the same, you were the golden boy, you know, and you had the disappointments, and you know the questions that those disappointments sort of ask of you. Yeah, I, I got him. I knew when I met him, he was broken. I forget about football. I knew he was broken as a kid, and and that was me when when I was young, and I I, I think I was nineteen when I got stabbed in the head, and I knew. I hated the world at that stage, hated football, hated life owed me something. So I was angry for a year or two and when I seen Jack that's exactly what I seen. I seen a kid that was broken and and um and and needed needed uh needed some attention and needed some love and and uh like I said, I, the football thing was never an issue. People spoke at the time it's a gamble. It was never a gamble in terms of football. He, his ability is unbelievable. Uh, his football IQ is one of the highest I've ever seen. Um, when you explain a tactical decision to Jack or Angles, he has it within five seconds. And uh, and like I said, once I seen him and, and we spoke for five minutes, I, I knew he needed to come home. He needed to he needed to have the right people around him in the right environment. Um, look, when he comes home and, and we they all made that decision, his family and, and obviously Graham and Jack, um, we can do everything and we can be there for him and help him but ultimately he's got the boy into it he's got to be the one that says I'm going to come in every day and walk my arse off I'm going to uh, a first day of pre-season he couldn't move um, by the last day he's he's up the top with Ronan and Aaron Mack and Roberto on the runs and, and, and that's that's him doing that you know um, but like I said I just knew when, when I'd met him I'd seen myself and, and him and mm. uh, um, the football wasn't. We didn't even speak about football. It was about. Uh, it was about him. It was about him as a person and him as a, as a human being. And 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 that's the most important thing. I think if, if if you make that connection with people and 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 really make it down, it can't be an act. It can't. You got to really connect with with these people and, um, and really care about them, which I do. And um, well then. Well then I knew Jack's ability and, and what he'd bring on the pitch will, will benefit not just him but us as a group and us as a club. I think you've spoken with this before, I don't want to misquote you, but I think you've said that you probably never got that love for playing back. You never got that back. No. Um, has management given you that love back for, for football as such? Yeah, coaching did at the start when I, when I stopped playing. 
Um, I never, uh, like you said, when I when I was young and, and whatever happened, I I I was angry and, and fell out over it. And I played here obviously for a few years at, a, at my okay level. In Still angry? Of, no, I wasn't until because I'd spoken about it then and I'd come to when I started playing here. I knew I wanted to finish very very early. I knew I wanted to coach and manage really young. Um, so by the time I started playing again for Drott, I'd, I'd I'd spoken. Uh, I kind of spoke to people about it and and understood it, understood what what happened, why it happened, and um, and and got on with it really. Um, so I I knew very very young that I wanted to coach and manage. And there comes a point in your career as a player when if you start questioning what the what the manager is saying or start questioning tactics or training sessions, it's time to it's time to mm. step away. And that I was getting to that point, and and uh, so at twenty seven, sat down and I made a decision to I want to coach and and. The love that I'd had for playing as a kid was in coaching and managing. Um, I, I love seeing uh, ideas. I love seeing uh, certain things we worked on, or or angles we've done, or patterns we've done, or or certain meals we've done, or whatever it is. I love seeing that come come out on the pitch. It's uh, that's the ultimate as a manager when when you can see that, and other people won't notice it. But mm. um, the last few weeks we've we've worked on things in games against. Cork, uh, UCD, Sligo, Finn Harris, we've worked on things for, for Sunday. And again, people wouldn't have noticed they were only subtle, but when you see that come off and you watch it back with the players, that's that's really rewarding. There, there is a great opportunity though now, isn't there? When you look at like in the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, the amount of people who left Ireland to get work uh, in England. And it's, it's been a bit of a scandal that young players, kids have had to go to England to get, to get their education. And uh, the amount of players, Dan, we've had in who've come in here from Sean Kavanagh to Jack Byrne who really, really hit a low by going to England at a young age. And do we have the chance to, uh, to get the government on board and say, listen, we could create an industry in this country where kids wouldn't necessarily have to go to England and, and could get their education at Shamrock Rovers or Dundalk or Cork City or Go United, you know? Yeah, I think it's vital, isn't it? You know, um, we, we've got a, a, an Ashfield that you probably know about mm. that, that we put some young boys through and they train with us in the mornings. Um, get a proper education. Yeah, proper education. They're leaving. Um, Gavin's been through it. Aaron Bolger, Dean Dillon's been through it. Um, and now we have Alex Dunn. We have... Conan and we have who Adam, Wells. Adam Wells on it as well so yeah I think that's the way forward definitely because I left at 15 and I think if it was nowadays I don't think I would have left at 15 I would have had a bit more of a obviously clear head you have a pathway to, to play early like a lot of our lads have Aaron Bolger um, playing 50 games before he's 18 in a proper league playing in Europe playing a cup final the yeah, A cup final and then going um, that makes sense. You know? Like if you if you did a study of the players that went to Britain yeah. and came back, and you did a psychological study of where they're at, not only in football but mm. as people, 100%. I think the results would be staggering in terms of the depression this brought on, and um, the sense of complete loss of confidence in themselves as mm. people and footballers. And we, we like the government don't really seem to care about that. And the, the League of Ireland has been criminally underrepresented, I think, in that regard. Like yeah, I think I think. Um, as a as a nation, we need to we need to really really look at it in terms of we go we go on about Shamrock Rovers because obviously we're there, but in in the league in general, we we need to create um, pathways for these kids to to stay because it's okay saying we want them to stay, but what are you offer them to stay, mm. um, we we never actually stop the best ones going. Stephen was unbelievable, played at seventeen, made his debut for Leeds, so you never stop the best, the Robbies and the Damians and and Stevens and and right now it looks like the Troy Parrots. You never stop that, and that's fine. 
but what we can't do is be sending over teams to fill our players to fill teams, and that's exactly what's happening at the moment. Um, I, I watch a lot of football, and um, the amount of kids going away and, and without sounding disrespectful or harsh should never be gone. Not because maybe they haven't got the ability right now; they're just mentally not ready. They don't understand what's coming down the road. Um, it's not about on the pitch. A lot of the kids like me and Stephen or whoever would have went on the pitch are okay for the first few months the first year it's the stuff out everything outside everything around the, the environments the, and, and people can't handle that the best deal the, the best like like Stephen and, and like I said the best deal the best just me every challenge head on and, but they're rare that's that's not that doesn't go around every day and, and then when you get them home uh they're broken men. Forget about football. They're angry. They're broken men. The amount of people you meet when they come home won't even go and watch a game. Or they'll turn to a different sport, a different cold because of the anger for the football. Because it's letting it's let them down. And I think we're, we're missing a big trick with, with these young kids going away. Yeah, we need help here, the government, the leagues. Um, we definitely need help to try and keep them here. But we um, we they really need education. The families need education. The kids need education on what, what facing them. It's not... It's not um when you go over there to business, you're a number in a business. It's not um <laughs> they don't care. And and that's not being harsh or ruthless. They they obviously care they sign you, but the next one, when's the next one in? He's not playing well, when's the next one in? Whereas here we're we're a smaller industry. We've got to care about the kids, we've got to give them the chance, we've got to uh care about their well being because at the end of the day we're investing in them and it's a big investment for us. Um so we've got to care about them. Over there there's that much money. Um just statistic. The next one. The next one in and mm. and we gotta stop as a as a nation, we've got to stop blaming other countries for development of our players. We have got to stand up and take development uh, seriously and we um I think we're doing that. When you look at the Irish underage teams from, from Stevens, twenty ones downs have been excellent. Um how they performed. Uh Stephen has been unbelievable with the twenty ones in terms of how they played. It's been when you go to watch them now it's like that's mm. us. Um, they're on the front foot they play with an energy they play with a tempo um, and so my point is the players are there uh, the structures are starting to get there I think the international stuff has been really good there's a lot of obviously emerging talent stuff going on uh, but I think um, as clubs in this country we definitely need to, to uh, put more um, sort of structures in place and, and to, to allow these kids to have a real decision to make a 16 and 17 um, not just say well you can stay and be uh, trying two nights a week and be part time, you know we've got to really put things in place to allow them to to have a big decision to make. We, we'd we'd love to have thirty kids in that Ashfield. We just can't afford it. That's how mm. simple as that, really. Because yeah, that that gives them all the platforms to they, they're leaving. They'll have to leave, and if anything goes wrong and all that sort of stuff. So, so need, you you uh, must still know. sit in a lot of rooms with parents still, though. I mean, and I think we spoke a couple of years back about this about kids going to fill academy numbers and. You must still sit in a room with parents who still just under they just they can't countenance the idea of their kids going anywhere but mm. well actually this particular club in, in League One or whatever wants them. And there will be people within football development in this country here who would argue strongly they should still go and uh Dan, that's get that wrong. Opportunity. That's, wrong. that's a terrible bit of a voice because then people obviously haven't been through and understood it because it's um it's okay saying go God or full time. It's about the kid, it's about the person. It's about understanding that maybe they're not ready to go as a, as a human being. Forget mm. about if the human being is not right. Forget about the player on the pitch, because what's he going to bring? An unhappy person. What's he going to bring to you on the pitch? So that that 
that notion of, oh, he has to go to a League One club because they're full-time is absolute nonsense. I mean, look at James Forlong. James could have went away uh, when he was a schoolboy and uh, decided to stay with education and just grew. Just grew within a year and um, became a man because he was in our environment. He, he, he got to be around full-time professions. He got to see the likes of Graham and, and, and people like Jack that were playing at international level and thinking... Well, that's what I have to. That's how I have to train. That's how my diet has to be. That's how I have to behave to be a, to be a really, a really good player. So he would have never got that if he had went young because he would have been stuck in a bubble of a seventeens academy team. Mm. So and again, my point is that that James as a person grew and and was happier. And then the and then the player came. But for people to say you have to go, uh, is nonsense really. Like, but what, what what would would say figure of say ten ten or twelve million? What would that do for the league? The greyhound industry is getting colossal money in this country. A totally peripheral questionable sport the most participation sport in the whole country is getting very little help at government level and we spoke to Lee Desmond about like the token nature of the education system over there because obviously the clubs don't give a damn about your education it's just like tick boxes they could be staying in Ireland they could learn their education for the future after football and uh, I don't think there's been nowhere anywhere near enough lobbying the government on this to be honest no definitely not I think it's we'd have a proper industry we'd have a, a definitely a better uh, international team, no doubt, um, and, and definitely a stronger nation that doesn't get ripped off, and that that's mm. that that's important, isn't it? That we we value ourselves and and value our kids and look after them and making sure they they get proper looked after. Um, and as you said, you, you mentioned the other industries that get money, um, it'd be huge. You're just asking what ten million will do to our to our football. What, what is what is the actual benefit to society of the greyhound industry getting that much money and stadiums with very little in them? Whereas we're sending like what a hundred thousand people a year to English games that could be watching games here, not mm. only the kids and also having an education, which is creating employment, but creating coaches. The argument would be employment though on mm. some of that yeah. stuff. I I mm. I'm obviously going to agree with you. I know my my perspective is, but to play devil's advocate, like there hasn't been a tradition here of this industry providing full-time secure employment to people mm. you know there's a reputation that the league has had due to spending on wages and players and and i know it's a chicken and egg thing that's been a product of the funding that's there so but yeah. there is an element of having to the, the league has to prove itself that it can provide that as well, well. it's not the league uh, dan we're not you're not asking for 10 or 12 million to pay players more money that will gradually happen as the industry grows it's about get that money to put academies in place put, so you can send these kids to full-time education and 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 then you can they can try and full-time and do education that's what the money should be for when you get money from the government it's not so we can pay x player 10 grand a week tomorrow it's not about that that suspicion lingers though yeah. i think that's part of yeah, the, that suspicion lingers that's what clubs easily, would do that's very you know? easy done that you can section the money off and say that can't be used yeah. for your force team yeah. It's got to be used for the education, and if you don't meet certain criteria, you don't get the money. And and, and then the clubs, it's in their interest to go and do it. Um, and I'm sure every club would take that up. But again, it hasn't been there. We're giving X amount of money to the greyhound industry, which is it's actually mind-boggling. It's unbelievable when you look at you're talking about an industry. Of course, we can have an industry. It's like the All Ireland League. Can we have an All? Of course, we can. That's what I was going to so bring on to that. Yeah. But it all has to build. It's not about getting all this money just to give X player ten grand a week. It's about like I said putting a proper structure in place that we can send 30 kids to, to school and they can train full time and they get to understand what it's about and not just us every every club in the country because at the end of the day that's what we need we need everyone in the country really putting these structures in place to, to allow us to grow as an industry but it's not going to happen unless we have the finances Where are we at as a league now? Obviously you have a very rover centric view that's your job that's your club that's your concern um, and there's different clubs in the country will have different 
a different focus. You know, there's, there's, there's different ambitions in terms of what they can achieve. But one of the big talking points we talk about all the time here is the gap between, say, Dundalk and Rovers now and, and say, third place. And, you know, what about the, the level of week-to-week competition that clubs face sometimes? How does that prepare them for Europe? Like, where do you think the league is at? I know it's a very broad point, but in terms of where we are um, now... For me, there's so many aspects to that in terms of uh, crowds. Our clubs doing enough to engage with their communities and, and are we doing enough to promote it? But again, so much of it goes back to finances. Are we getting help by, by, the, by the government and, and people that can help us? I don't think we are. Um, in terms of actually quality on the pitch, I, I think it's really, really good. I, I genuinely do. Um, I think uh, the standard of, of player in the league is, is definitely getting better and better. Um, I think a lot of the good games are, are like the top teams playing are really really good games. Um, look, there is going to be teams that struggle, and that's that's the same in every league. Uh, finances does just doesn't allow Ali and Finn Harps to compete with with the top half. But I think they understand that, and and they do what what's best for them in terms of they fight and and they get a group together, fights to keep them up. Uh, but it's such a, ro- a wide uh, ranging question. Um, mm. Well, actually, on the pitch, I, I definitely believe it's it's in a good place. Yeah, I, I'd be with that as well because, mm. like, when I started following the League of Ireland, it wasn't easy to watch it. The pitches were bad, and um, I would put this to both of you: Have you been fed up of this notion of Irish footballers as not having the technical ability because of our national team and people accepting a tradition of of you know? if you look at the conservative coaches that we've employed in terms of from Trapatoni to even Mick to a degree, Martin O'Neill, and this kind of paucity of ambition and looking at looking down on ourselves in terms of our ability. And then you go to an under-15 League of Ireland game and you're like, actually, these kids can play. And I don't know, it, does, it must frustrate you guys. Like, Stephen, you didn't have the career you should have had for Ireland probably because you weren't the right type of player. No, listen, it, it, I just wish we trust the technical players a bit more. Um, as coaches, as managers, um, Jack, for being an example, uh, I think we we need more players like him. Wes, we, we waited so long from everyone's. We've had this conversation. I think the summer. I think what we spoke probably in the last day or two. I think the summer football's helped us mm. in terms of would Jack be the same player on a muddy pitch in December? Probably not. So mm. I think uh, all the underage teams have been on the same uh, platform from 13s to 19s. Summer football. I think it makes us. We should be. We should be trusting. The way, the way we play a bit more and trusting the, the technical players because I, I, I'm not having it one bit that we don't have the players I'm telling you now we can produce f- proper footballers if we we believe in them and give them give them the right the right information there was, there was a moment in the game and um, like there was some lovely uh, passes from both sides there was a moment in the game you were playing into the Rovers end but Lee Grace picked up the ball pretty much in, the, in his own box or near the edge of his box Two Dundalk players converged, and I think Greg Bulger looked for a pass between the two of them. And this is a pass that an Ireland defender would never make. And Lee Grace kind of nonchalantly played it to him. All of a sudden, there was a space open. Rovers, brilliant passing all the way down the pitch. And I think, I can't remember in the end, I think it fell broke down with Aaron Green in the box something. But I, I was watching that, and I was like, that's the advertising for the League of Ireland. Yeah, but again, I think I remember the one you're talking about because Greg, got, it was a tight space, but he, he twisted out of it. Um, but again, that's taken time for us to, to get that to the players there because a lot of them would have played in, in certain teams that would have went, we're not playing that, we're going back to front. But that's taken time for them to trust and believe that that's the way we want it to play. That's where we want you to go. We want you to trust that and penetrate and, and uh 
and, and believing it, like you know, and, and it hasn't that hasn't happened overnight. But I think it helps that uh, that's what we speak about every time when we analyze the games when we sit down. That well, why haven't we played that pass in there? Why not? Like you know, uh, because if we play that pass, we're going to be in there within two seconds. And and again, that's Lee's a brilliant example of it because uh, as a footballer centre half, he's for me there's no one better in the league. Um, when he steps into the game, his pitches are brilliant and he trusts and. When it's when good. he penetrates, we're we're a very hard thing to see. Slide doors moment of him leaving Go United and joining you was yeah. such. It's it's kind of ha- you know with somebody. Well, that's the slide doors moment for you, John. As Galway United fan, the slide doors moment for Lee. that's interesting is that Lee Grace didn't play football mm. really like you know yeah. like seriously yeah. as such until a certain age. Like mm. what a what a player he's. Yeah, no, he, he's been brilliant. Lee. Again, I remember when we went and watched them. I think we watched him a lot, obviously, but we went and watched him the one game that decided it was up in Dundalk, and I think a few people thought we were after Dundalk players at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually Lee that we were watching that night, and he was outstanding. He got beat 3-0, but he was really, really good, mm. and we knew we wanted him, and, and at the time, then we spoke to Galway, and the fee came about, and people were like, oh, do you pay it? And we were like, 25 to, grand. you have to pay it. This fella's a no-brainer. Let it go, John. Let it go, John. It's a non-issue. Unfortunately, we, we that, that unfortunately, though, for Galway United and for a club, the reality was they needed the 25 grand yeah. and that got us relegated. Yeah, basically. it did. Yeah, but that's that's where we're at. Know, 25 yeah. grand. That's we needed. But that is the question of the divide that we speak about and there's different clubs in the league. But we did throw out a request for questions. Jesus, here we go. can't actually ask a lot of these questions, to be honest. Through random comments, someone wants to know who wants to get to kill, for example. You know, someone else has any advice on beards that you could offer them as well. So there's a lot of that. Alan Manis's manhood came up as well. Padjo Finn's tweet got mentioned as well. The predicted one you know Colin Scottburn given that he has lost many cup finals to Bowes how does it feel to win one now <laughs> <laughs> you have to accept that this is, this is going to come the way so I'm just trying to find and then just some messages from people just saying thank you rather than asking a question which wasn't there was the, a lot of love which wasn't really the point of the exercise but there was a comment here about the challenge of I mean do you feel that there should be like a 21s or a B league that now that you actually have a team that contend for honours there's a danger that the young players you produce, like I think you've touched on it earlier about that six weeks in training and so on, but even still, it, is it the next challenge for, you know, for those players to suddenly find that actually are they good enough to break through for the first yeah, team? It's, How a, do you it's manage a difficult that? one. I think what Real Doctor has done has been brilliant in terms of the national Sean Judd asked that question, sorry, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I think, like I said, it's, it's been a great structure put in place, but I definitely think the jump from 19s to fourth team it's just too much for a lot of the kids and they have the ability but they're just that little bit away they're just that little and they just need another year or, or 18 months to, to really push on and unfortunately they're, they're missing out a lot of kids because of that that too big of a jump right now Um, I know we've had discussions about with Road in the past and, and with the FEI about how, how do we how do we uh, close that gap or how do we how do we make that jump not so dramatic Um. Mm because there's a lot of kids that have the ability and physically they're just not there yet mm. um, and, and we know at the time you're thinking we'd love to we'd love to have him here but it's just at the end of the day it comes down if he comes into the fourth team it's budget and it's finances and um, whereas if we if we had something in between we, we could maybe hold on to a lot of players yeah because for certain yeah. players like I mean <clears throat> in, like, in, in the UK that player would go out on loan to a a certain standard so that's slightly harder here that mm. there's only so many clubs maybe training to full time to a degree so you can't 
I know you had you know Sean Callum at the Wexford Utes, and um, you know there's players who have done Dean Williams, and there's various players going, but it's it's a slightly harder thing to go to a certain standard of loan. Plus, it's harder over here because when even if you're looking at Leinster Senior League, which is a really good standard, you have to regrade the players and and different seasons. It's 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 not it's not very easy, you know. And once you're regrading them, they're completely signing for a different club. It's not a loan, and. it's very very difficult to do but I'd, I'd love to see something like that link because like I said the Leinster Senior League uh, has some has some really good teams and players in it and would benefit a lot of the young players going and playing in it yeah the, the underage league just for coaches as well like you must I remember reading a year or two ago that you you kind of knew all the under 15s lads almost by mm. name or whatever and mm. um, but like you, you, what do you need? Eighty managers or assistant managers in the League of Ireland from underage up, and it must it must offer a great kind of platform for young managers as well, yeah, like yourselves. It's yeah, it's, it's great, it's isn't it? We've yeah. we've had obviously Damien, uh, Stephen Rice, Aidan Price, all ex players who have looked Tony after it. Tony Cousins there yeah. at the moment. David McAllister is with him, so the list goes on, and, and that's great experience for, as you said, um, for the coaches. Um, and for the players, what the players get back from from having people Jeez, like that's yeah. been unbelievable. What, what, what was, was Damien as hardcore as everyone said? For he's just no, like, he's yeah, easy. yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> was he, is he just obsessed or what's like? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He yeah. seems almost like a born uh, coach at some level. Anyway, he's, he's a workaholic. Yeah. yeah, he loves he's it. Brilliant. He loves it. He can't uh, can't switch off from the game. He's even uh, last couple of days sending me um, WhatsApps of, of how teams play. He just he just loves it, you know, and just. Sees the game great. He's uh, as you said, just a workaholic, and he deserves to to where he is. Because the game's so evolving as well quickly. Yeah, that. yeah like exactly. to, you know, it's like I remember reading Ken earlier Monday's like Jose Mourinho has been left behind a bit by modern football. Yeah. It sounds extraordinary, but the game's evolving and evolving, evolving. Yeah. Fullbacks now winger, blah blah yeah. blah. Um, and Damien's obviously part of that. But sometimes when you get a player of Damien's level who's done what he's done and mm. played at the level, they want to be handed. They, they, they just want to say, "There you go. There's a job." Uh, Damien from the first day was just walk, 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 like you know and. And uh, he's genuine. He, when you speak to him, he's obsessed with the game. You're out, or, uh, we were at a black toy event last year, and someone speaking, he's talking to me about tactics. Did you see that game last <laughs> night? What about that? What about that angle? What about this? He he loves the game. He's obsessed with the game, and uh, he he's just he's going to be a, a top top manager because of his work ethic and obviously his brain sees the game. But and he's probably doing the right path, I suppose, as well, like not yeah. jumping into a he's job. Learning, whatever. Isn't he? Yeah. He's learning, isn't mm. Yeah. Listen, lads, it's been great having you I, in. We, I've actually oh, two, w- two more quick oh, questions. This, this is from your uh, be- bedtime role this morning, <laughs> is it? First of all, have you matured, a as, a, have you matured as a manager in terms of like your interviews as well? Because I think you've kind of, you were, you were almost too candid, I think, early on, where now you're like, eh, I'll probably just chill out a bit and maybe... So that that was my one of my first question for you. Uh, I, I don't know, Johnny. I yeah. don't know. I think I, I'm doing them. I think it's for people to, to see them or that interview me that would, would know better than that. Um, mm. For me, I just become more comfortable in what we're doing um, mm. and trusting them more. So I think interviews that way have become uh, easier. Plus, you know, you're going to get criticized no matter what you yeah. say. So you just have to go over my My last question then was Europe a success or a missed opportunity this year? Missed opportunity. See? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I felt like we it was there for the taking. Yeah. Yeah. Was it very hot over there? Was it no, like no, no excuses? No excuses. No excuses. We the two really. goals we gave away were absolutely terrible from our point of view. Um, we knew we'd spoken about it. Uh, especially one of the goals we gave away, the one that knocked us out. We'd yeah. spoken about. It. We'd gone through the video. Uh, straight through the middle. Yeah, straight through. Really, really poor goal from our point of view. Just a little bit naive, maybe. Yeah. From 
Yeah. Was, and you didn't have an experienced defender on the bench as well. Was that another thing? Because you had the sending off, and yeah, we had that was a, a squad thing. Struck me about Europe, maybe. Yeah, but even as a as a group, Dan, uh, one of our principals is is uh, the players obviously know and what we speak about, and it happened to us that game, and that's the killer. If we had never spoken about it, it wasn't something we we stood by. Mm. Um, well, then you can say, Do you know what, we we, sh- we need to learn from that. But we we knew it. We'd spoken about it. We've gone through, we've spoken about it every week. Yeah. Um, for that, to lose a goal like that for us away from home in Europe against a good side, they're obviously a good side, but we genuinely felt we could beat these. Mm. They weren't anything. Sometimes you come up against a team in Europe and you, you know they're a different, mm. different level. These weren't. We knew that. And we went over there and we trained the night before and we felt the temperature. It wasn't anything. It was hot, but it wasn't anything crazy. Mm. Uh, it's definitely a missed opportunity we should have went it's kind of sad because Robbie Benson's goal in, in Warsaw that time um, was the defining moment but it's actually very hard to see even footage of that on YouTube proper footage Aaron Green's goal is one of the best goals yeah, I've ever yeah. seen in that game and unfortunately it just wasn't enough yeah. because that goal should, was good enough to win any game and uh, oh, like the, the technique um, but it's a bit like Michael Duffy's goal on Sunday you know, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean like it was a, yeah. an amazing if you uh, haven't seen it's Bradley's ra- reaction it's just look at it again it's, it's, like, the, wrong, ah, it's the wrong audience to say it to, but like yeah. it was an amazing cup final moment and yeah. yet like you know it's sort of how did oh, he wrap his foot ha- around the ball half an hour later you're going down the road it's sort of six so it's a funny year it's a Old game, the highs and lows. No, it was a you good know? strike. It was a yes. left foot as well, wasn't he? He was off balance. He's had a few against us. Yeah, he's, he's, he's actually got a habit of sticking yeah. one in. Yeah. Uh, no, he's times, a good player. You know. He's a good so player, but I thought, to be fair to, to him, it was a great strike. But I think it was the only thing all day that he caused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dan said Joey, he was anonymous in the Joey, tweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Joey had him really, really quiet, and 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 that's it's hard to do. He's a, he's a top player. Yeah. But does the party continue now? Or are you done no, with no, the set? Uh, <laughs> too old for that. Yeah, we're back to work now. This. Trying to get things done. Yeah. What does work entail like for the next week? Just really meetings, just meeting uh, players, agents, uh, our, our own players for next year, uh, planning uh, pre-season, planning uh, our systems for next year, uh, how are we going to play again, how do we improve it. We need to look back at Sunday and think, um, really analyse Sunday, take the emotion out of it and really analyse where could they have hurt um, and how do we stop that from happening again. Um Genuinely, it is. Yeah, it's, we do. We speak about it all the time. I think mm. um, what I learned over my career as well, and I spoke to Stephen about when you have the high moments, you need to nail yourself again and come down quick and want to go be Self-critical. better. Self-critical. Yeah, 100%. Mm. We need to look at ourselves. Me and, me and the gaffer need to be better. If the staff need to be better next year or else we'll get nowhere. So it's important we do that quick and, and, and start speaking about that. So after your great interview with Jack, you have to say, ah, actually, I can do better. That was shite. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that, That's a, that's so a principle we all apply in life and even yeah. this podcast, John. Was it an interview with Jack yeah. or Jackie? Jackie, <laughs> yeah. Jack needs to make more of a contribution to the next interview <laughs> yeah, than he Jack does with Jackie. Lads, yeah. thanks a million. Congratulations again. Thanks, thanks, lads. Thanks, 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 um, yeah, that was Stephen, the two Stevens, and um, heartbreak for Drogheda, Dan, uh, going down in heavy, the other heavy story. conditions in, in Finn. In yeah, Finn I, like, I mean, uh, it's a great story for Finn Harps. Like, they definitely, uh, definitely, you're a racing man. Like, the old ground conditions for the playoff tend to come good for them around this time mm. of the year. But, like, uh, I spoke to Johnny Dunleavy, who was at the game, and he said Finn Harps played football, and Drogheda didn't play much football. Yeah, no, the level of, in fairness, the level of Finn Harps' performances, I think, you know, across the last third of the season, like have been good. You know, so um, I, I think 
you know they they've they've earned their their spot in the Premier again next year. It's just hard for them to to go again. And Stephen Bradley referred to it about you know the, what what can Ollie and Finn Harps do, and that is the 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 challenge that there's the obviously the elation of staying up, but then well what comes next? Like what what do you aspire towards now? And you know can you aim to to be more than just eight next year? You mm. know, but realistically that's that would be a good season and. That that is the challenge that that they face. So um, yeah, that was obviously the other story last week. Then we still have the, the United, United the Union, Union Cup, which Cup. I sense that there's still a bit of a uh, uh, the enthusiasm levels for it seem to be quite mixed, which I think is quite disappointing. But probably natural that it's it's a new construct. It's not a competition that's been part of the year. Like even some stuff. I mean, I see that Dundalk CEO has left, which is no great surprise. Um, it's a Matt shame Devin. for the game that Dundalk didn't beat Rovers because they'd be more in a high. I don't know. Just... I think if they'd beaten Rovers, I I, I think they would have been uh, they would have been a danger of coming off down a sort of a big hangover. hangover. Not in a just in an alcohol sense of the word, but just but, in but the, mainly in an alcohol. Well, sense. well, just yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Though, the, yeah. I mean, in a way, there might be a bit of a wounded animal, but um, we'll see what sort of team they. They put out uh, in that game. Obviously, they have Chris Shields back, but they had a few walking wounded. Um, I mean, McElhenney obviously didn't make the Shields game. Shields and McElhenney for the cup final. As much Sean as Sean like Gannon, as far as I know, uh, picked up something in the warm up on Sunday, which might right. explain why he was Did, I, had a poor I felt game he was by his qu- standards. Quite yeah. inhibited at times. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people involved with Dundalk. I think it would be sore with you know with Sunday. Um, they weren't. The, they weren't the Dundalk we know. No, well, they. they uh, it's it, it is excuse making, but um, at the same time, um, and they do have a very strong and deep squad. But I guess you know if you take Shields and McElhenney and and have Gannon struggling, you know take their equivalent players at the Rovers side, and it would have been hard for them. They still you had know? enough chances to win so the game. They had chances to win it. Yeah, mm. I mean, Rovers were were, were the, the 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 Rovers' superiority. I think was really. Largely based on like around the first half and how they started, and um, midfield kind but of. But like, but if, I think if you look at extra time, uh, I don't think there was much in the game in extra my, time. My my comment um, about the five players, though, I actually I I can't think of one Dundalk player that really distinguished themselves. They just didn't really perform. In the I day. think I think Garton did quite well. Garton did fine. Yeah, uh, slight issue for the actual goal. The Massey the, didn't have a bad game. You know. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, Dan Kelly did well when he came on. Or he caused problems when he came on. Flores anyway. should have played earlier, I think. Uh, I just don't think they could trust him with his, you know, his recent injury record. I think there probably would have been an element of that. And I think, you know, they they obviously played Sean Hoare in there and they played Sean Murray. Um, and that was Murray was more was of a gamble made. than Flores to me, but it depends on the type of player you Well, Murray's play played field. more games this season, mm. but like Hoare just doesn't replace Shields, and Hoare, they were just a bit deep at times, and there was gaps ahead, so the Rovers midfield were able to occupy those areas and look good. And, and some of the quotes after from the dog, interesting, Patrick Hubin should have really put it to the lads, um, saying, you know, it looks pretty, but they don't really go anywhere, was his view of on, the, on, on, on Rovers', Rovers um, you know, control of the ball that... That that would be their view, and I mean that's look. I I like those comments. I like that there's a rivalry building Absolutely. up. Absolutely, uh, and I think you know Vinny still would feel, and he's what he said. And they were 17 points clear. They did they did still win the league comfortably this year. So um, Rovers have a road to travel in terms of that consistency. And they didn't play so, Dundalk at their best. Like, that, I mean, you know, their their penalties were excellent. Mm. But if they if they obviously hadn't converted those penalties, we're probably having a very different debate about Rovers now. Just like I mean, in fairness, Dundalk won two shootouts this year, one in Riga and one in Derry. 
Um, and you would have been having very different discussions. Michael Duffy's an inch uh, off around, when, you know, it's, it's uh, the around, bottom of the Yeah, bar, yeah. You know, no, but like like obviously, if the knock had lost in Riga, there would have been a sense of uh, crisis, but they win in Riga and there's elation. And it's, it's funny, but I mean, at the same time, the penalties is a lottery thing. I actually don't, you know. There was good quality penalties. It was a technical quality in the absolutely. In the, the Rovers penalties. Do Dundalk and, and could, lose, could lose a few players now, I think, because there have to be players um, on the fringes who are want more game time I suppose elsewhere and it'll be interesting to see how because they could target a very good quality of player yeah the a, they went well. to the rumour mill now I know we have to wrap up but they went to the mm. rumour mill season now there's a lot yeah there's certain players out of contract uh, you know players like Georgie Kelly you know might have Derry looking that direction um, there's there's obviously uh, you know Pats are releasing a lot of players I think um, they've gotten rid of it you'd imagine Stephen O'Donnell is going to at least want or hope to want some of those Dundalk yeah. players that he knew but or yeah well I mean the, the, who's available I mean you mm. know there's there's the likes of Benson um, Jarvis uh Georgie Kelly Domigan is a player that might be on Dumbigan. someone's radar then there's so. guys who obviously are under contract who maybe haven't played as much as well um, so like, there, there, there will be players there but I think Dundalk I think I get the impression that they probably will look outside the league to try and strengthen now whether he can find the right level of player is is a debate uh, and that's a challenge that all clubs face including Rovers um, you know, other clubs don't have the ability to do that but, but there will be some good players knocking around for some of the other clubs mm. but we shall see what happens um, Just we'll probably as well, we'll the, reflect a bit more I think next week on sort of wrapping the season as a whole the, the PFAI put out their list of players available Cork City of uh, some like Gary Buckley now looks like he'll he'll be moving Shepherd, obviously McCormick a couple of them will probably Cork, go to big big changes like a couple of them kind up in Derry yeah and then Cork I mean Cork are going to be working off a reduced budget this year and there's a lot of change but what that change ultimately means like you talk about change at Dundalk and Rovers right but I mean they might lose one or two players uh, that they want to keep mm. probably max you will know? Jack Byrne go do you think? Uh, it's hard to know mm. it's hard to know I, I, I don't think he's desperate to go uh, but I think obviously if a club pays the right money and the lad's touching it there if a club comes in with a really good deal and he gets a really good contract offer that would make him financially well I think he's you know I don't think he's in a bad place financially but you know proper championship wages say then of course there's, there's always the temptation I mean if Ireland qualified for the Euros and he thought it would be the difference between sure, uh, yeah. being in the squad or not then I think it's very hard to stop him so that would be a massive loss but I'm just saying the Dockham Rovers are going to lose one or two maybe players they really want to lose you know really really I mean they may not lose any players that they want to lose whereas other clubs are starting. so you've literally zero chance of another club having anything approaching a title challenge next year None. 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 So Zero. what if what Zilch. if what if Gareth so, Kelleher lumped money into no, Pats? No. Not gonna happen. You can't just John, we have to mm. every year it's start of every year it's like Waterford with Pats before the start of this season. What's more how, likely? How right? you now think how anyone thinks What's more likely? that a club so, can build a challenge from, from Zilch. You have to lose one to win one. What's like, more that's likely? a challenge for Rovers. What's uh, more likely, right? Like someone other than Man City and Liverpool winning the English Premier League this year, or next year someone other than Dundalk and Rovers winning the League of Ireland. Uh, I think I'd Leicester might have a better chance than the rest of them. I think probably yeah. <laughs> think it's a weird, might. it's a weird question, but I think yeah. There's the like, yeah. I I I just there's it no looks hopeless. there's no scenario. It's it's like saying you know back in the day would anyone other than Celtic Rangers win the SPL at the start mm. of the season? I mean, they're not, is that they're a worry though? That. Like how? Yeah, it is. Mm. It is. It's it's like it's not re- like there's a lot of clubs. Seems on a budget the, there. But yeah, like, I mean, the, I mean, you know my views on on budget chats, but like I think. Uh, there's a lot of like a lot of people listen to this from clubs 
uh, as far as other clubs in the league, who wouldn't have the positivity around where the league is at because they can only see their club competing for mid tableness, yeah. you know. So um, there's no way those clubs are coming back, and that's why we'll talk about it next week because last year, last show of the uh, season will be season. next week. There's obviously big decisions coming around the structure and the you know the debate in the league and what's going to happen, and all this stuff is massively relevant because. Um, there, as much as the team can drop off like Cork, um, you know I don't think we're in a situation where this, the path is going to open for someone else to, like, to come and and, and take a league title. You know, mm. uh, it might be the Dock Rovers for three, four years now. Um, yeah. and you know I, that 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 means for some clubs it's a decade without having had any real spark or excitement. And there comes a point where you need. I wouldn't say need. that. Like Bowes have had a great no, season. Bowes have been you great, know, and and that spark or excitement has been a lot of that there. They got getting into Europe was no, great. No, Bowes has been great, but like but like uh, Bowes are a great story, and they've shown how you can make it not distinctly a results based experience, but. Uh, we there need, are, we need there are parts of the country that aren't Dublin on a Friday night. You know, like that 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 their that their sporting culture is 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 based around a place like uh, supporting a team in a city like Cork. And there's other sports, and success does matter in terms of uh, building that buzz around the club. Mm. What Bows have done is brilliant, but the Bows situation isn't transferable to other clubs in the country. There's different states and 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 demographics and everything so it's not just as, as simple as saying what Bose is doing you have to adapt that to your own area but that's listen, that's a debate for another day another there's a whole day. debate about structures and all Ireland league and a lot that can happen hopefully these two, these two games go well I just I, I would hope there's more enthusiasm built up around them as they come closer because they do seem like afterthought uh uh, territory at this stage, but anyway, yeah. we'll talk our, about it next week and maybe wrap in the league a bit more. But that was our, our, predi- our that was our rover special. You enjoyed the company of the two rovers lads in the studio. In, fair, in fairness to, to um, MacPhail, uh, he's grown, he's just seemed to be a lot chattier now. And Stephen Bradley um, is in is in a very good place at the moment. He's quite happy with life. You can tell he's he's, he's buzzing. But um, I think Rovers have I think they've shown that um, Irish football can have a positive future but unfortunately as you say Rovers are miles ahead of everyone else in terms of some lad coming in now investing 2 million or whatever that's miles away for, for other clubs you can't build that in one year no um, takes, takes but I think the board des- deserves credit for after you know three managers of high regard who left kind of in, in ignominy or to some extent that they did take you know they they let Stephen Bradley yeah. um, have time. Um, our, to wrap up our predictions last week, the lads went with Rovers in general and they got it right. Um, who wins the league next year? Um, who wins the league next year? I, I still think like 11 points. 11 points is a bit to, is a bit to bridge, but that's next week's discussion. Mm, I, I'm too, too early to call. Interesting times ahead, though. <laughs> it's never too early to call for you, son. <laughs> I, I think there be. I think there could be a dramatic signing in in the off season um, from one of these clubs because th- they have the clout nobody else has. Basically, yeah. You know, whoever that will be next week. Yeah, and we didn't even discuss the Alan Manis standing at the anthem thing, and that's a probably good thing we did because the attention that he's received for that has just been ludicrous. And I gather it might have taken someone a gloss off the cup win from which I just think is scandalous. Next see, next week is episode. 40. 40 and uh, that life be ra- begins at that'll be uh, <laughs> that'll be a wrap for the season uh, yeah thanks for listening <laughs> but there are limits to your life <laughs>